Hi, this is Maury Moreland Morrison, here to tell you GEICO has more than just great savings. Much more. Yes, while GEICO could help you rack up more moolah faster than you can say metamorphosis, they've also been the fastest-growing auto insurer for more than 10 years. That's more like it. Furthermore, GEICO has fast and friendly claim service. That might seem like an oxymoron, but it's not. All the more reason to say no other auto insurer has more more than GEICO. GEICO. Expect great savings and a whole lot more. Blog Talk Radio. No, it's dead. Hey, Colin, you can use my phone. Hello, everybody, and welcome to RU Instant Reaction Review. We are uh, experiencing a minor technical difficulty, and we're trying to get Shane on the line. <laughs> He's there. He's just not really here. Um, this week, we're going to be doing Men in Black 3, and let's see if that's working, and then I have to let you in. And... Uh, we're going to be doing Men in Black 3 today, as soon as we can get Shane to call in from right next to me, which is cute. Um, but, you know, I also want to just, again, uh, give a shout-out to the Hatfields and the McCoys. Are you there? Hello? Yeah, now it's weird. There's like a little lag instead of just being... That is weird. <laughs> anyway. It's like I'm calling from... Alaska. I I know we had a we had a glitch, so now you're now you're in the caller phase. So it, awesome. it sounds a little weird. The whole podcast of this will probably be <laughs> a little strange. That's alright. Um, but yeah, I wanted to give another shout out again to the Hatfields and McCoys, or it's actually I guess Hatfields and McCoys. There's no does and stuff. Um, because it it really is fantastic, and it starts tomorrow, I guess. And now this will be, you know, next week we'll finally get a rash of callers as people call in to tell me that it's horrible. I, I probably, but um let me get the chat going. I have to turn down the volume on this. It's I feel out of place um hearing you and then having a quarter second lag and hearing you again. <laughs> that's that's what's going on for me too. Well, It'll be interesting, anyway, when we listen back to <laughs> it on the stereo. podcast. You, you are weirdly in stereo. Yeah, so... All the way down. <laughs> anyway, yeah, right. okay. Well, you know, glitches and malfunctions are all a part of the game, I guess. So, Men in Black 3, let's just... All right, well, so I, I have I have good news and I have bad news. Um, or all the other things out of the way, we, we're diving into the review portion. Sure. <laughs> we, we don't really have anything else. I, just, I didn't know if you had other announcements. It's, I, I'm it's not like we usually start out with stuff. Yeah, that's... Um, well, it's a good time of year. You know, if you're if you're a summer film lover, the the time you know the the big summer films are starting to show, and this is a huge holiday weekend. And I'm a huge summer film fan. I love the spectacle and the films and the sequels, and you know. So the good news is there's a film out right now about um, a secret government agency set up to police, patrol, and protect um, human beings from all sorts of awful things. And this installment, (coughs) back with the coughing, this installment happens to be about um, an imminent alien invasion that we're not going to survive. 
Um, it'll destroy the Earth, that kind of thing. Um, so, of course, we're doing Men in Black 3. You know, this is the good news. The bad news is I'm not talking about Men in Black 3. I'm talking about the Avengers. You know, Men in Black 3 has nothing at all like this going forward. It's not um, trying to think about where to start off with all the negative stuff because it was it was a train wreck. For me, it was a huge, it was a huge set of problems that seemed to solidify the more I thought about it. Wow, I just this is this is really weird. This is what you've so, been waiting for, I think. So, no, no, not be, because it's not like I loved it or anything. Um, you did, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so yeah, we have to we have to confess as as we frequently do uh, that this now we have Memorial Day weekend kind of messed with timetables and things so right uh, again we have not instantly seen this and it's pretty early in the day actually for us to have even theoretically instantly right. seen it i well, mean unless i unless i had a screener or something right. but right. we've uh, seen it recently we saw it last night right and in fairness to that theory there hasn't been a lot of time really between then right. and now well, you know, assuming someone slept or something, I mean, it's the grand, <laughs> had a the grand total of hours available yeah. between then and now is is not that much. It's like, you know, theoretically, we might see a movie really early in the day and then do the show at like nine o'clock at night, and right. you'd still have about the same amount of time to think about it, right? As as we had here, but what is interesting, I think, is that. Going out of the theater, we weren't that negative. We we were sort of we were confused, yeah, right. We were, we were really and off. right, not that we really really liked it. And the the beginning, I think, to start right away, right. The beginning is horrible. It's absolutely awkward. I don't even know if it's like fifteen minutes, twenty minutes. Somewhere around there. All jokes aside, it's feeling like forever. It really, I mean, it's like right. 20 minutes. It's got to be at least 20 minutes. It was just so right. clumsy. It, it starts out It starts out really badly. It starts out like a uh, mass of writers, which there actually were, yep. uh, could not agree on anything and all wrote their own version of the opening and we sort of randomly took pages from each person's <laughs> opening and shot them all. Yeah. There was uh, there's so much going on. It's so goofy. Yeah. It's like we have no idea how to start, and the thing just could not get out of its own way to start. Right. Then there came a point where it started getting better, at least story wise, and it was I don't know. Interesting to watch. It wasn't fun to watch, but it was interesting to watch. <laughs> but but as we came out of the theater, you were not saying things like it's a train wreck, right? I mean, it it wasn't like we were going, oh man, this garbage thing. And now you got to think about it for a while. I had to think about it a bit. And now it's much worse. Well, there's, <laughs> okay, there's so many problems with it. Um, some of them, they just they revolve around each other. You know, Barry Sonnenfeld has this thing where he just routinely makes short types. And I don't have a problem. He really likes to keep his films 90 minutes or less. Right. Usually great at 90 minutes. This is 
I think this is 87. I mean, it, it's close enough. It's, it could have, one of the things we were talking about is it could have benefited from a few more minutes. There were so many loose ends in this film. Yeah. So many attempts to try to tell the story that at some point he and Will Smith and Tommy Jones wanted to tell. And over the course of however many years, and under the pressure of all that they had going against them to get this film out on time, they lost the cards in the deck. Right. And you can't play a fun game without a full deck. Right. You know, and this is not. There are times that this, that this movie is fun. There are not many. You know, there are times where it makes sense, and there are times where it feels like it's going to put itself on the right track. And then it, like you said, it derails itself. It is its own worst enemy. And some of that comes from the history of the film, which is um, like what you mentioned. You know, this guy. I think it's Eaton, Eaton, Eaton Cohen, but it might be Eton. Um, but it's it's very easy to try to to make sure not to flip and say Ethan Cohen because he's not one of the Cohen brothers. <laughs> right. This would have been a totally different film if one of the Cohen brothers had written this. But Ethan um, Cohen is he's the guy that wrote Tropic Thunder. He's the that's the only thing I know from his credits um, ahead of time. And I thought Tropic Thunder was funny and clever enough. And right. when this movie works, you have to believe that it's because of his hand. There are supposed to have been about six other screenwriters. Um, or maybe five, but maybe six is including Cohen. Um, and like what you said, it just it, it shows there's there's ideas all over the place. They're not necessarily great ideas. Some of them feel very um, not naive, but they feel kind of amateurish. Right. And how they manage to get by everybody's agent, you know, and and vetting them, like how Will Smith allowed certain things to get put on the screen because he's known to be not a control freak, but a guy who's really into the process. Like, I'll do this if you explain to me why my character would really do this. Right. Some of this stuff is absolutely absent in the film. And it shows. There's, there are times when Will Smith, who is he's become one of the most bankable, sure things in Hollywood, especially this time of year. He's the summer king. And when his his likability and his charisma can elevate really bad things and just make things look effortless, that's when he's on point. And this film doesn't show that very often. There's a small window where he finally gets comfortable with what he's doing. And I think that's when they finally figured out the rest of the screenplay. Because when they started filming, they didn't have a finished screenplay. They only had, like, a bit of it. Right. And that shows. It shows with Tommy Lee Jones. Tommy Lee Jones is only in this film for, like, I don't know, maybe 15 minutes total. You know, maybe 20. Uh, maybe not he's even in, that much. Maybe not even that much, right? I mean, he's bookends, basically. Right. He's in the beginning and in the end. And the end is only, like, it's, two It's just minutes. a quick minute. It's a quick scene. Like, it's a quick denouement to get out. Um, but he clearly looks like he wants to be anywhere but here. You know, and I'm sure that's because the guy's a professional, and he didn't want to be involved in a project where he didn't know what his lines were or what the characters were doing. You know, these films happen sometimes, um, and it certainly shows from top to bottom. You know, they had a rush to get this out because they were trying to keep a New York City tax break of, like, $35 million. Um, They had a, a strict deadline for Will Smith's summer blockbuster film. You know, right. they had all things. And to do all of that stuff under the pressure of not even having to finish screenplay, right. you know, that has to be very difficult, and I understand that. But all of those faults show spectacularly throughout the right. whole film. Well, and, you know, uh, with Tommy Lee Jones especially, 
I mean, they only had him for a certain very yeah. limited amount they had of time. Him for four or five weeks at the most. And so everything that everything you see of him in the movie, we are most likely at the point where we had no idea what most of the exactly. movie was. Right. He was probably so he's for, he's like, working on nothing. On nothing. And going, guys. Yeah. So I'm in this movie. <laughs> right. Whatever. But they had him for a very limited time, yep. and we know that the script wasn't finished for a decent amount of the shooting anyway. Right. And you got to think probably during hits. Right. So uh, let me just jump in and just say, if people are listening live and I see you logging into the chat room, you know, right. jump in the chat or call in. We'd love to hear from I'd you, whether, whether you, you saw it or right. didn't see it. If you saw it, if you want to let us know what your thoughts are, if you didn't see it, if you want to know something about it or give us a talking point or anything, mm-hmm. Uh, that is open. So I right. just want to jump in with that. And, you know, while you were talking, the other thing I wanted to say about what you were saying is, mm-hmm. you know, some parts you, you said, you know, some parts are fun, some parts uh, work for story, and some parts, you know, there's the, there's several different moments in the film where it's exactly like you were describing. Yeah. You're in one moment. And you go, this kind of works for the story. Uh-huh. And you're in another moment, and you go, you know, this is a brief bit of fun or whatever. Whatever good things you could say about the movie, right? right. It's like this part, uh, I like this part where they're, how they're dealing with the story. I like yep. this part with the characters really good here or whatever. None of them are the same parts. There are like no two good things you can say about any one particular part of the movie. Everything is, you know, the story's decent here. And the thing that I think we have to kick off quickly, because this is what we said right when the movie ended, we both said this, that Uh it's the most boring movie. It is. And it's bizarre. And that we would both watch this movie yeah. and both really kind of have that reaction. Like, right. I mean, when, as soon as it was over, I, I was like, it, it was boring. Yeah. And you were like, exactly. I mean, it was, and I think you said something like, it, it's the most action boringness right. or it something. Right, all these things going on, and it still remains somehow to be And it's got chases. Yeah. It's got aliens flying around. Yeah. It's got all this stuff. <laughs> going on it's got a it's even got a fair a amount of actually like even that fight is right exciting and then boring at the exact same time well it's a little goofy i think the fight I know you, yeah i think the fight um not even necessarily that one end part that i was talking about right but there is a lot of kind of you know cliches going back forever mm-hmm you know, the little thing that we're trying not to lose, oh, it's dangling right on the edge. And, you know, oh, my foot is stuck right in this thing. Where You know, the funny yeah. thing about putting a movie together in this way, when you're getting a big climax together and you're going to make it full of cliche, silly things. Like if you're having a fight on top of a giant space launch building thing whatever it is i mean not like the tower you're on makes any difference or whatever but you're going to have some really high up 
fight. And at least we're really high up for a reason that comes together in what we're doing. Right. That was it's cool not just because for the sake of danger, like right, because we've got the time jump we make work, right? So mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. I mean that that kind of all came together pretty good. Yeah. Uh, there's there's some writer, whoever it might have been, right. who I think knows what he's doing pretty well. Right. And there's other writers who are doing the other fill in bits <laughs> that really don't. Yeah. But uh what I was gonna say is if you're gonna have something that's full of weird cliches like like um, Josh Brolin gets his foot stuck in a certain way. Right. The the little amulet thing gets right to the edge of the cliff and it's going to fall. Cheering. And then and it, yeah. you know if it falls, it's all over. It's right. On, right. I would love to see a film end. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. The world ends. They both look at each other in the credits. <laughs> that would be great. If you're gonna have a movie with all all this kind of stuff, you know. He gets trapped, so then it's like struggle, struggle, and he gets trapped basically so that we can look at Will Smith for a while, and right. we don't have to worry about him and stuff. Right. If you're going to do stuff like that, you have to do that stuff really well. Yeah. If you're going to do goofy, cliche stuff like that, it's not even that you can't do that ever. You right. can, but then you have to do it really well. Right. If you had something more original, then you don't have to do it that well. Like, it's funny because we have, I think, both in that one scene. Because you have the fairly interesting idea that Will Smith, and, you know, I don't want to spoil the great fight scene at the end, I guess, but we have Will Smith kind of decides, I'm going to, like, let him kill me so that I know... You're like, I'm not going to spoil it. So that I know... Well, it's not actually what he does, but... Um, uh, <laughs> right now I really spoiled it <laughs> so that I can figure so that I can figure out what he's going to do right. and you know yada yada that that's kind of a new and interesting thing and, and here here's the thing is that it's not done that well it is done horrible but it's kind of okay because it's at least something different it's not right. great I but it's at, I agree. but it's at least okay yeah. but then we have stuff like you're doing with the you know the amulet's about to fall Josh Brolin's foot is stuck. When you do that stuff and you do it and keep showing it so much that eventually the audience is going, can't he just turn his foot and get it out of there? Right. Then you can't mess it up like that, yeah. you know? And I think that whole thing, like, kind of sums up the movie for me. It's yeah. like, it's so much, you know, we got, like, Screenwriting 101 or mm-hmm. Screenwriting for Dummies or something. Right. And it has outline of how your movie goes yep. and we didn't have a complete idea of what was going on as we started filming so what are you going to do you have to just go yeah. hey man make it work in a hurry right. and and throw stuff together and i i just could not believe that i was watching a movie with so much stuff going on and just going I, i'm bored right even right. there are parts that should have been Really cool. Yeah. There's one part that stuck out for me was uh, when our our bad guy, you know, I forget what kind of alien he is. No, he's Boris, but... uh, Oh, right. uh, Whatever alien is that's going to take over the world, and and he's one of them, and he goes back in time to kill Kay. Yep. When we're back in time, and he's riding his motorcycle up 
to the Coney to Coney Island. Yep. And he's, you know, going to search through whatever, and he's trying to find this certain alien that he's trying to kill or something. That should have been an awesome scene. Yeah. I, I mean, that scene, and now the guy who played Boris was, yeah. I thought, great. He was great. He was really, like, oddly captivating to watch. Right. I, I know he's on Flight of the Concords. I've never seen Flight of the Concords. But I just, the guy looked like, you took alien DNA and shoved it right into Randy Macho Man Savage. Like that's all right, I could right, see. right. It was this amazingly captivating thing to look at. And it it was, I thought, a really good uh, evil person yes. for a Men in Black movie. Right. right. He's perfect. He was film. he was like threatening. He was yeah. you know scary ish whatever. Yeah. But he also like could just. It could be kind of fun, yeah. And you know, kept saying, "Let's agree to disagree," right, which right. was cool. Yeah. And he was great, but he rides up on this alien motorcycle weird thing. <laughs> yeah. And there's all the hippies around, and he's. If you'd added like two or three minutes to that whole part of him trying to find the guy or right. or something like that or make something <laughs> out of that scene. Yeah. Instead of just, it's like, it's he, like earlier someone said we have to have this scene. Right. It's like the screenwriters, right, are sitting right. around going. Earlier in what we've already done, somebody said we have to have the scene. So, um, okay, have it. So and he just rides in and kills. So him. he rides in. He stops yeah. for like ten seconds. Has like a funny line with the hippies. Yep. Zooms off. Right. Really fast. And then the next thing you know, he. He's killed the guy, and there's right. Will Smith, and it and he it's over. Well, the next thing you know, and it's just scene. it's just like boom, That's boom, boom. Right. Yeah, right. And it's like yeah. they they only had that scene as like kind of an afterthought, and it, it's almost like you know they're they're putting the movie together, and they're like, great, now we have to have this scene. So <laughs> right. fine, we'll yeah. do something with this scene. Yeah. And the, but that scene had like a lot of really yeah, cool actually, elements right. going on yeah. that it should have been expanded, which. Yeah. It's funny because uh, just before this movie, we were talking about uh, alternate endings, alternate beginnings, deleted scenes that you get in in movies. And what we were talking about mostly was that, by and large, they're kind of stupid things. They're uh, just something that comes out just so that you can say you have a bonus feature on your DVD. You can put, you know, ten deleted scenes on the front of the of the box and then you get home and watch it and there's scenes that don't mean anything they don't do anything they they're almost like they were filmed just so that they could not be in the movie it right. could be a deleted scene yeah now sometimes they're very cool right right this movie i really wonder what will happen because <laughs> Are there any deleted scenes? Did um, they have time to shoot anything that they did that didn't make it into the movie because it was so rushed yeah. to get out? And it's and I, I think it will be interesting because it's like they were so rushed that they might have nothing right. on the floor, right? I right. Mean, because they might not have been able to afford to you know, we have this yeah. and we have to get it together and make it work. And like you were saying, this movie could have had some more. It, it, yeah. it should have had, I think, 
some more time at the end. Yeah. Because when it ends, it's like we just drive off a cliff and and it's well, over. It's the, it's the, they woke up and it was all a dream. I mean, that's not. I'm not saying this is how the film ends, but it is that feeling of when you wake up and it was all a bad dream. And you're like, oh, okay, I guess I'll just go get some breakfast. I guess and it's the over. Credit, right. That's the kind of abrupt feeling the film has. It needed to explain more things, like right. what we were talking about afterward. It it needed not only to explain more things, but I almost feel like, you know, you were talking after we got out of the movie that you know there should have been something where they meet up with O maybe. Right. And maybe mm-hmm. there's just a couple of quick lines or something. I think not only did it need to explain more things, but it kind of needed mm-hmm. to like justify itself in the end almost. It, I, there there should have been something that happened. Here's the mistake. They thought they did the justifying when they did this um this scene and I'm not going to give that away, even though we would have this big thing where we don't really care about the spoilers. There's there's a supposedly heart-wrenching, you know, lump-in-your-throat moment at the end of this film, and that's what they used, I feel, right. to justify what they were doing. And the problem is the scene feels forced. It doesn't work. It also is set up to explain there's a running joke um, throughout the film about um, Will Smith as Jay looking at Tommy Lee Jones' character as Kay and going, what happened to you? Right. Like, when did you become this rock, this hardened man who doesn't feel or show anything? And that's shown, again, always um, Emma Thompson. She replaces Zed, who they quickly kill off in the film because right. Rip Torrent has a ton of legal issues in New York City and couldn't be in the film. You know, so they've got him in there, and as part of like the eulogy, Tommy Lee Jones just basically reads off the box of a cereal box, and that's right. an emotional, you know, conclusion for like one sentence for the for the thing, and, that, and <laughs> right. it's supposed to be funny, and it's just awkward. Like I understand what they were trying to do, but as it goes along, um, it sets up this big moment of duality where there's this big justification at the end of this emotional thing, and it's supposed to also explain what happened to Tommy Lee Jones, and it fails on both counts flatly, horribly. Right. It doesn't serve either purpose at all. But you know what I think, and while we're talking about that, I think we should say, so the way it plays out, right, is they do keep harping on this thing of how did you change, why did you change, what happened to you? And how do you know that you are such a, you know, hard case, don't talk, whatever. And one of the things that I think is really cool about the movie except that it ends up being mostly wasted is that Josh Brolin plays the perfect earlier K Uh where he's still K but he's a bit more of a open yeah kind of has like a fun fun side and like smiles and stuff and so he shows us that there was a time where, you know, something changed. Right. But at the same time, he's still being K. He's right. still, like, true to who the person is. He's just before whatever it is happened. You have no and I think that yeah. was done really well. Yeah. But it doesn't matter it doesn't in the end. Do, right. it, it, doesn't, it doesn't give us what it should. Yeah. Even though it's like you, you almost can hardly appreciate it. There is a point, I think, in the movie where you can kind of appreciate it for a while. Yeah, but once we get to the end, and here's another thing that's really weird about this movie is uh, it's too weird that it's boring. It, 
I mean, it, it actually like kind of freaks me out that it's yeah. boring. It's such a strange thing because I, I don't remember a movie where there was so much going on all the time, and the reaction you get out of it is bored. You might get the reaction that like this is stupid and I don't like it, but at least That's there's totally some entertaining yeah. kind of fun something going on. Even like a Transformers movie, like not that I'm even the person who hates the Transformers movies, like. A lot of movie right. critics are, but like Transformers 2 was really stupid. But at least when you were sitting through yeah. it, you weren't going, "Wow, I'm really bored." bored. Right. <laughs> I, mean, right. I, yeah. I mean, you might you might not like it. You might go, "That's a totally stupid plot thing right. that makes no sense to the rest of what's going on in the movie," or any <laughs> kind of like problems like that. But you're not just sitting there going, "Wow, I'm bored." And during this movie, I was. I was. Yeah. I, I caught myself several times just going, "I'm bored." How, it's it's almost like yeah. a surreal kind of yeah. odd experience. And but when it tries to come together with that end part, see, this is like I think this movie has this weird kind of the parts just do not come together into the whole because I think all of the parts. Are are not so bad, right? Maybe not great, but they're not so bad. Like the the end thing that you're talking about, I think that's actually kind of a cool thing. It doesn't work when they when they do it the way they do it. It's not horrible. I mean, I, I imagine some people will actually kind of get a kick out of it and yeah. and like it. And I don't think it was horrible. I don't think it was like a bad move. I just don't think it worked at the end of what we actually got. Right. I think had had the rest of the movie worked better, that would have been able to deliver. But it yeah. was like by the time we get there, the way we got there, it's just kind of like a little hollow almost. I don't know. It It just didn't – you know, we're building up all through this movie. What happened to you? What changed you and made you a totally different person? And you see the end, and you go, that could make sense is the thing mm-hmm. that would totally change a person. But it just didn't kind of work, yeah. it just didn't it kind of work it out. It wasn't a horrible decision, but if you, if you can't stick the landing, you know, then you weaken your own decision. You right. know, as, as a choice in a film like this, it wasn't surprising at all. It felt, if it had worked, and it had worked really well, it wouldn't have felt as contrived as it does. That's the difference. Like, it can be the same side of a, you know, different sides of the same coin. The coins don't work right. the same amount, but one side has one feeling to it and the other has the other. And when it didn't work, it just felt forced and foolish and awkward and really, really, really contrived to me. Like, right. you, you can't have... It, Screw it. You know, you can't have a prominent black guy in a film with Will Smith unless it's Will Smith's dad, you know? And that's what they try to do. Right. And I'm just like, no, that, that's not the way you do it. Like, I know in every – they fall they fall to the problem of all time travel films, which is, um, you know, you don't run into yourself. You don't mess with your parents. You don't influence your, you know, your fortune. You know, there are these rules of right. time travel thanks to – you know, and you don't, you know, hang out in front of an angry Terminator. You know, Back to the Future and Terminator showed pretty much all the rules that people need in the last 30 years for time travel. And this just tries to be coy and clever, and it's 
fumbling and awkward, and I saw it a mile away, and I thought, if they do it right, they can do it. And it's no fault mm-hmm. of the actors in the scene. They're they're fine. It's just the way it's done, and it just doesn't work. Right. And like I said, I think if the movie that came before would have been delivered better, mm-hmm. I think it could have worked. Uh, on the other hand, it is really telegraphed. Yeah. Um, yeah. Especially because... <laughs> There, there's one part in the in the movie. They have the guy who sees the possible futures and 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 all that stuff. And Listen, that guy was awesome. He was good. He he was really good. There are two things about the film. Sorry, there are, you said a minute ago there weren't two things that were kind of you know strong about the film. Actually, strangely enough, I disagree. Griffin was amazingly strong, and he was engaging throughout the whole thing. No, no I said Jones. I said at the same time. Uh, I still think I still think I think I think scene by scene I don't even think like uh, picking an actor would not even be one of the possible right, things I, that I, I was talking about. I, I was talking about like here's this scene and this scene is good because yeah. you know this this story is working really well right, right. here. And then you find another scene and you go this is a fun scene. Right. There are no there's no crossover. Okay, there. I see what you mean. Uh, that's what right. I meant. Not like um, I, I think a lot of the actors were good. I think Will Smith was a little flat actually. Yeah. And Tommy Lee Jones he did just he just kind of wasn't there yeah. as much even though you don't really have to be there for the, his character. Right. <laughs> kind of rough and kind of like surly right. and hurt and But a lot of the other people I think were good. I like I thought Boris was great. I thought Griffin was cool. But there's a part where Griffin, you know, says and it, it's a, it's at mm-hmm. least fairly later on, so it's not like you know, boom at the beginning of the movie we know what's right. going on. But you know, he says uh, um Will Smith says how come nobody else knows that he exists, and right. he says, because you were there, and it's just like, I suppose that could just get <laughs> swept, you know, brushed past right. by a lot of viewers or something, but I was like, oh. I mean, it's like you you can know right from that. You right. know what's going to happen, right? And a lot of the staginess type things, like, well, we have to make sure we look at this watch a lot early on yeah. in the movie, you know? So it, it's right. like you you totally see that coming. It's like once you watch enough movies uh-huh. and are interested in figuring out how they work and actually analyzing them, you get to a point where as soon as Will Smith shows that watch, you right. go, there's no reason we're looking at the watch other than, right. you know, this is why, we're, why he right. has to show us the watch. So you know it's coming. But, I mean, that's, not quite a hugely obvious thing. Right. But I think once Griffin says that, it's kind of like you you know what's, yeah. what's coming. <laughs> and it's I think, and I maybe I'm wrong, but I think the ending could have worked and been pretty cool, but not at the end of this movie. <laughs> I, I don't I don't think the I don't think yeah. the problem is necessarily that the ending is you know, this is a goofy, contrived, nonsense thing that's going on. And maybe it is. But I think that ending could have worked. I don't think it can be the ending to what we actually saw and still work. Because there was, you know, there was too much boring goofiness that you had to sit through that did not give you anything really to build up to that kind of a scene. Right. Especially, it could really be hard if maybe you watch Men in Black 1 and Men in Black 2 
right before you watch this and not yeah. a decade later. <clears throat> right. And the, that really is kind of a weird thing because I'm not a huge fan of either of the first two movies. I yeah. liked them fine. Right. I didn't think they were anything, you know, great. Men in Black 1 I thought was pretty cool just because it was an outlandish, different yeah. it was a piece fun of thing. fun nonsense, right? right. And, and it was definitely fun. And Men in Black 2 I liked less, but it was at least still fun and, right. and like a good time. And then to go from those and have like the same people, same people in the movie, the same uh-huh. people for the most part in charge of the movie and right. everything, and wait 10 years or yeah. whatever, around 10 years, and go, yeah, now we're going to go back to this, and and somehow we're going to make it boring. Right. I mean, the only thing it had going for it in the first place was being fun and Right, loose and, 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 and crazy, yeah. right? And now we're gonna we're gonna stop that out. They, th- what happened? I think was they they got this idea where it was like really kind of a story, right? Uh-huh. At, at the beginning, and then all of a sudden they were like, "Now this is kind of a serious story, and it has to like be all serious right. and stuff." When you know, if you look at the plot of Men in Black One. You know, that plot is like three sentences, right? Right. And and nonsensical sentences at that, yeah. right? And this one, in there somewhere, there's like this very deep story in a lot of different ways, at least like a, you know, theoretically deep right. kind of story. And they just got lost in the fact that there was serious stuff going on mm-hmm. and, and never actually <laughs> made the movie. I yeah. mean, y- you can't completely switch you can't go like men in black men in black for you know shakespeare i mean like all of a sudden now it's right. this dramatic serious thing that they're trying to sell and have things like um you know when we're at the eulogy uh-huh. and the crazy noises right like that is like as silly and stupid a thing as you can get in a movie uh-huh. And it's one of those things where it's like, how did how did people get convinced that that was right, this is going to be funny? That was going Read to happen. It, yeah, yeah. And and but that craziness is like Men in Black. Right. I mean, that craziness is what people expect to see. Although it's been so long that who knows? Yeah. But it just got really lost in we have to get this serious story out. So you get a scene like, you know, the motorcycle scene that I was talking about earlier where I'm like, this could have been a lot of fun. Right. And if they'd have put a few more minutes on screen here, this could have been really fun. And they went, yeah, but you know what? We got this big story we got to get to. So what what we have to do is just get past this scene and move the story along and you know, he has to murder an alien. We know that's going to happen, so just get there. Right. And that's also the point where, you know, we meet up with Griffin, with uh, Early K, right? Oh, right, where yeah, right, right. Will Smith finally meets Early K. So let's just get that out of the way. We have to have that happen, so just make that happen. And that happens in, like, you know, 15 seconds. Yeah. And there's all this fun stuff from a lot of different ways. It could have been in that scene. That's just not 
what they were interested in in getting in the can. Right. They they wanted to progress their I, I don't know horrendous <laughs> agenda. Agenda exactly. They they just were like yeah. I, I've decided that there's this serious stuff going on and that's yeah. what I'm going to make work. It's funny. Okay. So, well, actually, what I just was going to say is, uh, I don't know if we got to actually say anything about what it is that happened to you overnight, right? Because I, <laughs> <laughs> what is it? Be, because when we walked out, we were we were clearly fairly negative, right? I mean, it's we were we were we were, we were kind of stunned, leading towards negative. We no. were kind of like. You know, we'd been hit with a taser or something. Right. I mean, we were well, we, up, we, were, we like, were stunned. Why did that look and feel the way it did look different? Like we were right. just kind of trying to reconcile. Really, right? What it, was it, it was the same way I did about a very odd experience for that to be boring. So we were we were kind of stunned by that, and we both agreed that the opening is just horrible. It's just so bad. Yeah. I, I swear to God, we almost left because there, yeah. there was a time when I started rolling my eyes at like 18 minutes or something going, I, I really don't know if I right. can do this. Right. If, if this whole movie is going to be like this, right. then seriously, because it it was just awful. But when we walked out, we had basically like those two points. It was boring. It was it, it was kind of goofy and did not come together a lot uh-huh. and the opening was horrible and yet we weren't we weren't that we weren't negative on, on the whole i yeah. think we were you know saying some positive things about the story's yeah theoretic potential or whatever but then now you come in today and you go guess what this train wreck <laughs> damn thing that I had to watch. So what is it that like coalesced in your mind that was the more horribleness? Maybe some of the things I'll walk through, like again, we've we've established the beginning is awkward. You know, I I got home um yesterday and it wasn't like I was like, I gotta see it again and I went back and rewatched it. Like I didn't really dwell on it. Right. Um I little small things. Um, I subscribe to Entertainment Weekly. I like the magazine. I liked it a lot better before it started becoming people or us, but it is yeah. still a magazine I enjoy looking at. I had a new, I, I didn't Entertainment Weekly. And um, I'm looking at, um, I actually brought it up real quick, because it was one of these things. Um, I looked at Lisa Schwartzbaum's quick review of Men in Black, and the first sentence was okay. like one of the things that kind of put me off. Okay, since you said that name, I'm going to have to respond and say that I, I really hate the Entertainment Weekly critics. I um, <laughs> I don't get Entertainment Weekly for their reviews. I get it, you know, out of habit because I used to get it a lot, you know, when I was younger. Right. And I get it because they keep sending me these renewal subscriptions. Thank you, Entertainment Weekly, that are ridiculously cheap. It makes no sense for me not to get right, it. Right, right. Like fifteen cents an issue, and I'm right. like, okay, you know, because there are and a toaster, right? Like, right, and I get yeah. a blazer, and I'll right. bear, you know. But one of the things that started bugging me, um, and I'm going to read this real quick, but it goes back to when we started talking about um, one of our off weeks when we were talking about how do we really come to our our grades on films, how do we view the films. And for me, not because I was just an English major in college, um, because I loved writing, I loved reading writing, I loved stories, it's no surprise that one of the things that has to work, even if it's a, 
a throwaway, silly, foolish movie. The story has to be good. It doesn't have to be like, you know, the usual, usual suspects good or Godfather or anything like that. But if you set up things, stay to them, and I'll be there with you. I, I'm willing to give you an incredible amount of leeway if you just stick to what you're doing. Right. Um, one of the things that she says is when last seen, agents J and K were, well, can anyone remember what the Men in Black were doing a decade ago in Men in Black 2? And, I, and we talked about this when we were right. in the theater. Actually, yeah. Actually, I can, unfortunately, I can we can't. absolutely remember <laughs> right. it. And not because I've committed it to memory, but I remember Men in Black 2 because at the end, Tommy Lee Jones wants to retire. He wants to forget about his life, and he petitions Jay and says, this is what happens. You reach the end. You don't get a gold watch. You flash me with the neuralizer, and you give me a happy ending. Right. Jay... Doesn't want to do it, but he understands this is the end of the road for Kay. He retires. Right. People him, can't do it forever. And he goes thing. away. Right. That's what happened right. to Men in Black too. Ten years ago, I remember that vividly. They make no assessment or acknowledgement of that at all. Yeah. The movie is frustrating for me in a lot of different ways, and here's where all the train wreck components come. The story doesn't make sense from one scene to the next. The story doesn't make sense from one movie to the next. And it right. is a dedicated trilogy. It's not like it steps outside um, like Terminator 3 did, when it totally went to a different company and a totally different crew wanted to write and tell their version, and now everyone's like, well, it's not part of the canon. This is the same crew of guys. This is Barry Sonnenfeld. This is the same actors. This is the same crew. And they well, totally and they, disregard in, that in the up. movie. I mean, they they reference you know their time together and everything. Uh, everything. Right. It's, right. It, it's clearly they tell you it's the same. They make a right. quick mention of Seth because he can't be in the film again. He's got he's got right. personal issues, so they wrote him out of the film and they killed him, and that's fine. And they address it by a quick eulogy and a funeral, and they they move on. Right. And that's cool. It's not designed to just introduce Emma Thompson as the new director. Oh. It's set up to explain why Rip Porn isn't in this movie because right. he's been a big part of the past two. They make a quick passing reference, and I'm blanking on the talking dog's name, who was a huge co-star in the second film. Yeah. Um, but he's he's explained in this film. He's given a nod. But they don't make any mention or reference to one of the biggest problems, which is Kay's retired. And right. he's retired. His memory is gone. He doesn't, right. you know. So there are these things that happen it, on the way throughout the film that, coupled with a disappointing ending the awkward, clumsy, you know, handling of things, the the weird way that I, I started thinking about it more and more, and I started coming to realize that what happened to us was the really bad beginning was like was like an anesthetic. It really numbed us. Like for 20 minutes we took like this really awkward anesthetic. Right. Like you're in a dentist chair and you know you're about to have your teeth, you know, fixed. You know there's a lot of action going on right. in your mouth, and, but you can't and it feel hurts, any of it. And it hurts to get the right. anesthetic. I mean, you, you, right. <laughs> you feel this anesthetic go in, and now you're numb. You know there's a ton of action going on there. You can't see it, and you're dead to it, but you still know what's going on. This film is kind of like that. You get this anesthetic in the first 20 minutes, and it ends you to what you see for the next 60. And you don't really, you know, you're kind of numb because you know it should be good. Right. Will Smith, at some point, warms up, and strange movie, I know I'm throwing everything out like right at that hat, but here's here's what you asked. It's a strange movie that gets better the moment Tommy Lee Jones goes away. The moment Tommy Lee Jones goes away and Josh Brolin comes on, it, it starts to improve and it's all because of Josh Brolin. It's not because of the chemistry between Will Smith and Josh Brolin, although it gets better. Right. 
It's not but because it the writing gets Josh, better or anything. No, and it's all because of Josh Brolin. He is single-handedly the best special effect in the film. Like, and he has nothing done to him. It's not like I'm so glad they didn't retroscope like they did for right, right. Um, you know, Magneto and Charles Xavier and X3, like making yeah. them actually younger. That would have looked like shit right. if they'd done that to Tommy Lee Jones. They got they got Josh Brolin, and I think it's a funny. I don't know if it's really true or not, but apparently Barry Sonnenfeld like quote unquote appears when he heard Josh Brolin's Tommy Lee Jones imitation because he's like, oh my god, this is gonna work, right? You know, and the funny thing is, it does work. The guy's the guy's yeah. awesome. It, it, yeah, he's and he really good. is in a in an ocean. I mean, a vast ocean of special effect uh, special effects and glitz and glam. He is without a special effect on him, the best thing to look at. Like, he's perfect right. until Griffin shows up. And Griffin, again, and I'm talking about some positives in the film, they only wind up making me more irritable about all the negatives because it had the promise of being great. They could have easily overused Griffin, who is the alien who can see all the timelines unfolding all at once and is only aware of what timeline he's in through certain small incidences, like, right. um, like oh, is this the one where, you know, Agent J or Agent K leaves the tip? Oh, no, it isn't. We're, we're doomed. Right, right. You know, these kinds of things. And it would have been easy to overplay that and then yeah. become annoyed at it. But they did it. This was the best, one of the best decisions next to casting Josh Brolin they limited the number of times that Griffin does that trick, and it's great every single time. Right. But moving on through all of these things, they had a really fun opportunity um, to take a guy like Will Smith and put him, you know, time travel him back to the to the 60s, the late 60s, when, you know, one of the characters said, it's not a really good time for your people. <laughs> right. And the weird thing is Will Smith looks really perplexed. I thought, I was really, like, confused. Like, why would he look perplexed at this? He's He's an African-American guy who knows the history of America. Right. Why would going back to 1969 be really weird for me, brother? You know, like, what's going on? Um, one of the funnest moments of the film is when Will Smith encounters a couple racist 1960s cops. Right. And you have this really fun, opportune moment to, you know, one of the best parts of time travel films is the culture clash. Like, I'm from the future and things are hopefully better, or they're, at least they're right. different, and now I'm back here, and you guys are like cavemen with the way you treat each other. Right. They touch on it quick, and then they race off to the next, you know, Boris has got to kill somebody right. at Coney Park. Right. And, um, you know, just real quick, the, I really like that scene, too, and what I liked about that awesome. scene, what I liked about that scene is that they were not, like, hopefully they would not be, like, listed in the credits as racist cops, Right. Right. They weren't delivered as racist cops. No. They were the normal cops. It yep. was just they normal. Cops. It, right. it wasn't means, like, right. and it wasn't even like they had such a they racist attitude no. that it was really, really far. They had the contemporary. They were just like with. Attitude. They were just like within the. Norm. Right. Survival um, norms at that that's, time. They that's act, where they were. They and that was done really well because right. that could have gone wrong. It could have. It could have been so bad yep. and so fast. I wanted to see a few more things a little like that because it was interesting to take, you know, a strong black man and put him in this position of power and then all of a sudden flip it and have him go do the righteous thing to save his partner. Right. Who you could argue, you know, at times they don't really have a relationship worth saving, especially in this film. Right. Like, they don't seem like they ever knew each other in Men in Black 1 or 2 anymore. Right. Um, but that was a great scene, and it, it works on all kinds of fun levels. 
And like when the movie does work and fires on all the right synapses, that is when the movie is at its best. Right. And the problem with the film is it can't wait to get out of that scene. Like it rushes through it that scene. It can't wait to get out of almost everything. This is what which I'm is, saying. Which so is it, what's really weird for a short movie. For a short movie, it, it seems to want to rush headlong to the end and not enjoy any of the scenery, you know, that it is established and that is worth looking at. It doesn't right. really it doesn't acknowledge there's no time to stop and smell the roses. It simply says there are no roses. Right. Like I've got and, to get here. And the thing that's weird about that when you t- is it it really does, even though you know, we're not just speaking in hyperbole here, right. it really does rush through every scene. Every scene that happens, it's like it wants it to be over as quick as it can because it's looking at its watch going, we have to start the next scene. Yep. You can tell, you can just feel how rushed the movie was yeah. really when it was made. Then we get to the end, mm-hmm. and it is long and up. slow right. and yep. takes it's forever. And it's cliched, and it, that's why it's long. It wouldn't be that bad, right. except it's the only scene that does it. Right, right, and it feels weird. Yeah, because you've set us up at, with this run that we're having, right, and then you want us to just stare for a really long time and linger in this moment. You at this created with emotional at power this, right. and gravity, and it's all there. which which it's funny because yeah. with the way that it gets set up, it's thinks that what it's giving you is, you know, this emotionally charged kind of thing. Yeah. But, you know, you really kind of have to be invested in the emotionally charged right. thing first to have an emotionally charged thing. Right. And they think they have this emotionally charged thing, and what they actually have is just a scene of basically kicking a puppy. Right. And, and not anything that has some stuff tied to it that we've yeah. been given. It's just... This would obviously be emotional. This is a, you know, stereotypically emotional thing. Yeah. Obviously, this is emotional. So if we do it, it's emotional. Right. And it's not in the way that you think it is, unless you've got stuff coming up before. Right. But uh, I need to just stop you for a minute because you'll go on. What, well, I had one I had one fix for the whole film. Uh, okay, what I wanted to say is that what I think is – really interesting about the film, even though it's wild and crazy, is that you could not talk very long about what was wrong with the film, what got worse about the film, Mm -hmm. without switching to talking about positives. Because because I I think what's weird about this movie is it has a lot of positives. It has a lot of things that I want to say nice about the movie. Mm -hmm. I like Josh Brolin. I like Boris. Mm -hmm. There's even a kind of a theoretical way, as we've kind of said before, that I like the story. I I like if, you know, if I had the screenplay, I would go – you can make something good out of that. We, you know, it may need some tweaking. It may uh-huh. need to be filmed differently or whatever. But just like the basic story, I think is a pretty good story, especially for coming back ten years later from a franchise and having to have a story. Yeah, there are a lot of things that I think are positive about the movie. They're they're kind of they're the, kind of all over the place. They just yeah. don't add up to anything. Here's the problem: you can have all the right ingredients and have too many cooks in the kitchen and not have a good meal. Yeah. Okay, here's the thing. This film is a train wreck for me for all the pro- 
started at the beginning of the podcast, which are too many writers, not enough direction, no no sense of where the film's going to go when the actors were needed. And you then have all of these difficulties show their, their heads. And you see now that all of these things could have been handled differently if they just worked. Ten years is a right. time to put a film together. Especially uh, right. if you've got the history and the the players. In, well, in especially that. just the script. So, right. <laughs> I mean, but here, here's what I'm saying. Like, if I went from all the bad and then I started mentioning the good, it's because there are some good things in this film. Just like in in a uh, kitchen with too many cooks, there are great ingredients. Right. But if you don't have people who know what they're doing, they're going to screw up your meal. Right. That's what this film is. You have good ingredients. You got Josh Brolin. You have Will Smith in the summer. You got Tommy Lee Jones. You have other characters who are very good in their in their roles as Boris and Griffin, but with too many problems inherent to the film, the the end result is a bad dish. It's, right. It's bad. But what's interesting to me about it is considering like the genre we're in. I mean, yeah. this is you know fun, cheesy summer kind of thing uh-huh. at best. Right. right. You don't usually have this negative of a reaction. I mean, right. not you, right? But well, one, one, you don't you don't usually have this bad a result, and still have so many positive things. That well, that's I mean, I've got a that, couple that, positive that, things. I don't that, have a that's lot how of it seems yeah. to be. Well, I think I uh, a, a lot of the acting was really good, and the other thing too is that you know. Some of the positives are really positive. I mean, like yeah. Josh Brolin is, I he's think, a, he's really good, and the guy plays Griffin and completely awesome. wasted. Right. And th- there's a lot of stuff in the movie that's completely wasted. But it seems like, yeah. you know, when you when you start the po- when you start the podcast and go, this train wreck movie, it's and a train then wreck. and and yet there are several Some very positive, positive yeah. things to say about it. Well, it is a train wreck because again, there are a couple there are a couple positives, but a couple positives does not make you know a thing. And no, I know we're not I know we're winding down. I'm just going to say this before we even, you know, I didn't even get to talk about a couple of the other loopholes that I found in the plot anyway. Here's a very easy way that Barry Sonnenfeld could handle the problem with the plot. You don't have to just ignore the second film and bring him back. All you have to do is set up, this is a very easy cure, set up Jay in a position where he finds out that this alien has escaped, and maybe he told someone on the lunar colony, the prison colony, that he's going back in time to kill Jay, not to kill Kay. Right. That's all you have to do. And now Kay, because he's sentimental about his partner, you don't have to weaken the relationship at all with all their new problems, because no one knows what the screenplay is, Right. he's going to decide to go back in time through an agency who should have some form of knowledge of time travel. Sorry, they right. deal with every interplanetary, you know, species in the multiverse, and they're like, kind of like, you have to go to this this head shop in New York to find this guy's kid who is yeah. the only one who knows how to time travel? Bullshit. Right. I call bullshit on it. All you had to do was set up the premise that he found out someone's going back in time to kill Kay, right. and he decides to go save his friend. The movie exponentially leaps from train wreck to potentially awesome summer hit right there, and that's a one second cure that I just gave you and him. And how friggin' hard is it to figure that out? It isn't. No, it isn't that with, hard. With a decade to that's work, that's why this is a train wreck. W- w- with a decade to work, the script obviously should there have been a million times. And we're, and we're running out of time, unless we want to go over. But there were other problems in the film, and it's not because I'm a Nobel Prize winning, you know, author. But there are other problems in the film that rear up that when you see it, you're like, that doesn't make any sense. Why didn't you just do this? Right. And it all makes sense. 
and right. I feel very comfortable today having all the answers. Right, exactly. Why they could have Great. Been, but, but that's why, to me, this is a train wreck. And I give it, you know, I give it one and a quarter stars. Yeah. I was going to give it one and a half. I'm so irritated at all the stupidity amongst it. Uh, yeah. This film cost a third of a billion dollars to make and market, and this is what you get? This is a colossal disappointment. Right. Yeah, this is this is barely. Uh, I think I, I think I was gonna go with probably like one and a half. I just feel like it's interesting that there are. I thought a lot yeah. of positives, a lot of a lot of potentially good things. It's okay to going on. It. Yeah, it's <laughs> my one and a half. Time. All right, we are uh, about to run out of time, so we are going to have to say goodbye to the. Uh, live audience, and I think we will go on just for like a couple of minutes, but we're out right now, so goodbye. Yeah, that was that was quick. That, that was one of our quicker. The time the time actually went by even <laughs> even faster as I was like try you know. Uh, yeah. So I look over and thanks, I saw you had thanks, seconds. Thanks for tuning in. Time. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, actually, the only reason that I want to go over is I just. Uh, wanted to make sure and say, I, I think it's like one and a half stars. And I guess I just, you know, it's funny because I seem a lot more positive than you do maybe. Yeah. And yet we still have basically the same rating. I just think, I, I don't think it makes it any better of a movie that I can find a lot of positive things that I like about it. Mm-hmm. A lot of the characters, a lot of the actors, <laughs> certain things in the story, there are certain things in the story that almost work, and like I kind of like them, but I like them separately from where they fit into the whole thing. I think it sounds like you are trying to like it more. For no, you don't have a personal agenda about it. You're not, you're not Will Smith's biggest fan. You know, no. you don't love this genre more than any other on the planet. But it sounds like you're trying to convince yourself more that you liked it better than you did for reasons you don't know. Like, I'm not saying you don't know why you like it. I know you're a smart guy. You know why you like things. But it just sounds like, though you see all the negatives, if you're in an optimistic mood, you can focus on the positives. But the negatives don't go away. No. The negatives are huge. I don't I don't you know, think that... Um, one-fourth of the film, the I first 20 minutes is a disaster. Like, one-fourth of the movie, giving you one-fourth of a pie and, and having it be rotten is a big thing. Like, you can be like, this pie has some good stuff to it. I'm on a big cooking thing. i got a barbecue. Well, right, later. seriously. That's what it is. Right, but uh, at best, I'm rating it like a half a star more than you. So, right. I mean, I would give it really, more, really, I mean, what, what's the big deal? Right. I, it's not that I think it changes where the movie is on a grading scale. Another thing that actually takes, it might even take more away from my rating for me, which is one of the things that I wanted to mention we never got to, is that, as much as I feel like this movie is a huge disappointment, uh, it was weird when we came out of the movie that I didn't exactly feel super negative. Right. My problem was I could not imagine facing someone that I had recommended to see this movie. This was an interesting <laughs> thing you said to me outside when we started talking about it, and you're like, you know, I'm really perplexed by this film. I don't know that I could recommend someone go see this this just, weekend. And that's when I thought, you know, I'm not trying to be coy or clever. I just, I thought, there's a film in the theater right now about a super secret government agency dealing with an alien invasion. And the best thing is, is that it's in the theater. It's called right. Avengers. It's not Men in Black. Right. And that's exactly what both of these films are on paper. 
Um, but I don't know that I could tell anyone to go see Men in Black either. Yeah. Really? I mean, unless I knew you wore your Men in Black, you know, T-shirts right, once in a while and I saw it, I would be like, dude, you, you'll probably have fun with it. It probably will be okay for you. Right. I, I don't think that uh, the thing is that I'm trying to like it more or something. I'm just uh, trying to actually give credit to the things that I think were positive. I can appreciate that. And, still. And, and probably the reason is that in general, you know, the majority of the time, if I don't like a movie this much, yeah. it's not because I have several positives on one side that I'm balancing against a whole lot of other negatives. Mm-hmm. It, it's usually because uh, I'm, you know, being nice to you by <laughs> pretending there are any positives. You know, especially with, like, I'm thinking, like, you know, something like one or one and a half stars or, you know, that general area. When I'm talking about movies that are that bad, because really the movie is that bad. Yeah. It really is. It's just that it's strange that I do feel like I have to say Josh Brolin was really yeah. good. It's the the, yeah. the guy who played Boris was really good, and that was like that was the most wasted thing. It was because Jermaine Clement, Jermaine Clement. Excuse me, there's no R in his name. Jermaine Clement and Michael Stolberg. Yeah, and the guy I, who did um, Griffin. Right, he's good, and I've seen him in a lot I of. Seen him uh, in anything I've seen him in several things. Uh, Jermaine Clement does not ring a bell, but he was so good, and the fact yeah, he looks totally different. The fact that he was so good mm-hmm. and so wasted, it was like somebody made this character, you know, created the the depth of the character, how he was going to work and stuff like that for some completely different movie. <laughs> yeah. And then they stole that character and stuck him into this movie and right. didn't really know how to work with him or what to do with him. And so he still comes through mm-hmm. very positively. Even this like really surprising thing is that even the scene where it's like, you know, Early and late, him meeting up with each other, yelling yeah, at each right. other. Right. Uh, I thought that scene, you, you know, you see that scene coming, and I thought right. that would be horrible, right. especially given the movie I'm in. Right. And yet that scene was cool. It was cool. It was cool. And, and so, uh, anyway, we we well, sh- we, sh- we should wrap up soon, but you, guess, you can go ahead. This is the last thing I'll say about how strong I feel about it. And I feel like we are looking at a glass. And I'm saying it's half empty, and you're saying it's half full. Right. It's the same, you know. Right. We're both agreeing that it's half full. Uh, unf- half unfortunately, it's like nine tenths empty, <laughs> and I'm going, but it's one tenth full. No, here's, here's the thing. For me, the film would have been <laughs> half a star. Okay, I guess this is the way to maybe say this is how we're reaching the same rating, just differently. For me, all the detractions made this film half a star. The strength of James Brolin and the character Griffin. And uh, Boris and how interesting he seemed to be. That elevated a full star. That's how good they okay. were. This film was at a half star, right. and it, it, because of all the problems, not just you know the nitpicking things. You have to give yourself to a film like this. It's right. a popcorn film, but in that even in a popcorn film, when there's an entire yard of leeway to run with, you know, you still messed up this film a lot. Right. And only because of the strength of those things does it fully go up a full star. Right. I guess maybe that's the way to better say what I'm trying that, to say. That could be 
that can because be a, I, I a good example. Of, I'm giving what you're saying, which is those guys are so good. It's just it's so frustrating that the squandered opportunity to run more with them was pissed away to get to a scene that didn't right. make any sense. And and see, here's how uh, you know, but not that we haven't done a whole show on on this. <laughs> but so here's how this could be different, and like maybe this will even be actually something helpful for people to understand for. Uh, people who are going to listen to the show and yep. and understand who we are and where we're going with movies. The way it, it probably works more for me with this movie is that uh, I sort of feel like this movie is potentially like three stars. Yeah. And all of the negatives that actually happen in the movie bring it down to okay. me to like one or one and a half stars. That's a lot. It loses half of the so, strength. So you go like – from down to up, well, when you're work, sort of thinking about the movie, well, like at least. Yeah. This, I usually work backwards. I'm usually, I'm not usually at a five star. I don't usually go into every film and be like, this could be perfect. Right. Let's just start picking off the demerits. Right. I usually think this film is going to be average. Right. Let's see if it becomes better than average or worse than average. Like, I, I often will go into an average film thinking it's it's right around, you know, two and a half stars. Now, where does it go from here? Right. Is there a great performance? You know, if this film had stayed its course with its, you know, potential, like you, it would have been a strong three, three and a half right. star film because of all the awesome even strength. Right. Even just at the end of the movie, I have, having watched the movie, right. I feel like the potential is in this movie somewhere. Yeah. You know, if you gave it to somebody else, if you had people tweak the script a little bit if if blah 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 right. just because of the positives that it does have that <laughs> yeah. it weighs it could have been like three three and a half stars I agree and the the way that it wasted it is a shame brings it way down all right. 300 million uh, all right seriously <laughs> but all right I don't know how long can we talk about Men in Black 3 so now that this is already over and we're into the podcast area and everything um I, I just want to say next week we're going to see Snow White and the Huntsman. Right. And part of the reason, you know, other than just saying, hey, this is what's, ne- what's next week, is that we're both really kind of looking forward to yeah. it and interested in it. And it, it's been a while for me. I mean, <laughs> not not counting the Avengers because I don't, you knew, I, I don't know right. that the Avengers really counts, right, because right. I had – serious expectations and right. whatever. The Avengers is just kind of an anomaly of the world, but I feel like it's been a while since I was really looking forward to, <laughs> to one of the movies we were going to see. So yeah. I'm like, hooray, I can say that we're going to see this. You know, when we were seeing The Cabin in the Woods, I was kind of interested in it. Right, I was curious about and it. And I, I, I was very curious about it, but I wasn't yeah. like, yes, we get to go see The Cabin in the Woods, right? right? Or right. <laughs> I, I don't know. Anyway. I still think it's funny in the theater after the credits were rolling. You're like, this is the second week in a row we got screwed out of seeing Battle That's exactly you know? that's exactly that what I said. Enough. That was very funny. That's exactly what I said. You know, t- twice I I ended a movie. The, the world right. has converged on me in such a way that twice I feel like I wish we had seen Battleship. Yeah. Anyway, we right. should just get over this thing, as far as I know, might even be completely done. I, I don't know. We get several minutes after the yeah. end. But anyway, if it's over, then this is nonsense. But uh, thanks for tuning in. Thank you. Yep. <laughs> Check out com, and we will see you next week. Uh, next week. 
Cabela's is coming to Northern Virginia with their spectacular new store in Gainesville. Find everything you need for hunting, fishing, camping, and shooting sports, plus much more. Join us for our grand opening celebration Thursday, March 9th at 10 a.m. Be one of the first 500 in line and receive a Cabela's gift card worth up to $500, plus a chance to win one of three Remington firearms. See store for details. Don't miss Cabela's grand opening in Gainesville, located off I-66 and Highway 29 near Virginia Gateway. Cabela's is coming to Northern Virginia with their spectacular new store in Gainesville. Find everything you need for hunting, fishing, camping, and shooting sports, plus much more. Join us for our grand opening celebration Thursday, March 9th at 10 a.m. Be one of the first 500 in line and receive a Cabela's gift card worth up to $500, plus a chance to win one of three Remington firearms. See store for details. Don't miss Cabela's grand opening in Gainesville, located off I-66 and Highway 29 near Virginia Gateway.